Hi, and welcome to season one, episode seven of the All Things Freelance Writing Podcast. I'm your host, Jessica Walrack. So today we have on freelance writer Drasti Shah, and she is a writer who aims to use her skills and combined experience over the years as a writer, designer, and entrepreneur with a business degree to help small business owners, creatives, coaches, and freelancers create content that speaks to their audience, inspires them, drives leads, and generates sales. She's on today and wanted to talk about how basically you can create a successful freelance writing business despite being perceived as a non-native English speaker. So this is something that I've come across a lot of people who kind of struggle in the beginning getting their business started um, and working with native English speaking clients if they are, if English isn't their native language or um, if they're just perceived that it's not. So um, thank you so much for coming on today and talking about this important topic. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, absolutely. So to start out, can you tell us a little bit about um, your freelance writing business and where it's at today? So um, great. So I am, I actually started out as a generalist content and copywriter um, more than three years back, but because I belong to like the, I used to work in the marketing department of my family business, which is a medical device company. So I had a lot of industry contacts in the medical device industry. So I kind of started out out there by just reaching out to them. And then it just sort of uh, snowballed from there with them referring me to other people. And I would still call myself a generalist writer. Uh, My website is The Purple Script. And I had actually intended to write about women empowerment and feminism. But I quickly realized that if I actually wanted to make some income as a freelance writer, that might not be the exact field to be in. So yeah, I still write about it, but it's more of a passion thing. But yeah, although opportunities have opened up like vastly since I started out. So people can actually make um, income, at least in the women empowerment field, if they pitch correctly. Um, Yeah. So right now I write content and I write copy mainly for healthcare, for medical devices, for women empowerment and for digital marketing agencies, where I mostly work with content creators and coaches to develop their entire launch strategy and then write copy for it. So that's email marketing, landing pages, website copy, et cetera. Wow. So you do it all. <laughs> You're a one-stop shop. Well, yeah, <laughs> kind of. <laughs> Very cool. Now that we kind of know a bit about your business, um, let's take a few steps back to how you got to where you are. And more, more specifically, what challenges did you face when you were building your business because you were perceived as a non-native English speaker? Okay, so I'll be extremely upfront about this, but because I belonged to the industry and because it was a family business, so I wasn't an employee, so I obviously had better personal relationships. So because I had good relationship with them, I was able to uh, pick up a couple of writing jobs almost as soon as I decided to approach them, which I am sad to say didn't strike me until I read, um, I'm sure you've heard about Carol Tice, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I read her book about, uh, I think, I, I'm sorry, I don't remember the book's name, but I did read her book uh, for beginner freelance writers. And in that, she had mentioned that 
before doing anything else, before cold pitching, cold emailing, approaching strangers on the internet, you can approach the people in your circle who you already know. And that is when it struck me a year after I started that maybe I should start by approaching my contacts in the medical device industry. And I was able to pick up a couple of writing jobs pretty quickly. And then it sort of snowballed from there. Other industries I did have to break into by, you know, cold emailing, cold pitching, talking people on LinkedIn and then kind of approaching them. Um, yeah, and so on. So when I approached new people or people who did not know me at all, that was where I actually started feeling the resistance that I didn't feel before about being a non-native English speaker. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, so my mother tongue is not English. But we have been like almost 70% of population in India. Uh, We learn English from kindergarten. So like we grew up speaking in English with each other, with our teachers, with people in our school. So for me, it never crossed my mind until I met certain people that, oh, I'm not a native English speaker. Um, But yeah, that is where I started feeling the resistance and my journey uh, became much, much slower. And so and what, what kind of, what did that resistance sound like? There were a couple of companies that I approached and one of them, and this was what struck me really hard, but one of the companies that I actually approached, uh, they had referred me to that particular company. And after looking at my profile, the company had booked the interview. And the moment I got on, Uh, I could see the look of surprise and then the first words out of their mouth were, oh, you don't, um," uh, after I started speaking, they were like, oh, uh, so I don't think you're in the US. And I'm like, "Um, no. And then they're like, oh, okay, I thought so. We thought you might be, you know, a second generation immigrant or something who's familiar with the US English. And yeah, so I I was, yeah. So I was uh, pretty sure that I, we still talked a bit because, again, I'm not a very confrontational person. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, we still talked. But I knew even if they were okay with everything, I would not be working with these people. But then they emailed me later saying uh, they're looking for a native English speaker. So we would, shouldn't be able, we wouldn't be able to proceed. Wow. Just on that ground. <laughs> so it's like your chance was cut yeah. before you had a yeah. chance. Before I had a chance. So frustrating. And so how did that, you know, make you feel when you were getting started? Were you like, I'm going to figure this out? What was your, you know, feeling about growing your business at that point? Yeah. So, I mean, I was obviously extremely bummed out. Yeah. It did make me a little hesitant every time I approached a new person, but I kept going on because thankfully I already had experiences with people in Germany, with people in California, with people in the UK who I had already worked with and they were okay with me, with how I looked, with my accent, with how I wrote. And I had really great reviews from them. Mm. So, so you had so I some knew, yeah. confirmation. So I knew that there are people out there, exactly, who will not look at the other stuff and they'll actually look at the value you bring to the table. And these people are not from your country. They're people from other countries also, and they accept it, you know? So yeah, yeah, I kept on trying, hoping I would meet the right people. So how did you really break through and overcome 
those challenges to build your business to where it is today? I, I, I honestly don't think I've broken it, but I know I've overcome it by believing in myself, by not taking no as an answer, like as in not no, you cannot do this project for me or no, you're not the right fit for me. That no, I will take, but that doesn't mean I'll stop approaching people, right? Right. So yeah, so when necessary, I approach people, I talk to people. I, I was actually extremely conscious of my accent when I started promoting my business on Instagram. But uh, yeah, right now I just go up, go out there, speak. And I know that the right people will find me. So I think it's all in the mindset, to be honest. And of course, you always no writer, native or otherwise, will tell you that your skills are complete or that your work here is done or that your strategy or that your language or the way you write is perfect. There's always room for improvement. There is always room for growth. And that is what you can do. You can learn, you can grow, you can improve, and you can try, keep on trying. Absolutely. And I think, you know, what we do marketing in itself is not a, um, solid, stable, non-moving industry, you know, it's constantly changing. Even what the social media platforms, you know, rank higher in their algorithms, what Google ranks higher, you know, all of these different factors are constantly changing. So as writers, we have to constantly be keeping our eye out, looking out. And I agree with every project. Um, even with every new client interaction, I feel like there's things to learn and pick up from, you know, whether it's uh, a better way to communicate in your writing, a better way to find sources, a better way to structure your own plans or rules or contracts. There's just so many aspects to it. I think I was like a year and a half into freelance writing when I learned about the Hemingway app and uh, Word Hippo, and it kind of changed my entire, um, I wouldn't say life, but it really did make things much, much easier. And yeah, oh, yeah. Uh, talking, about, yeah. Uh, talking about the apps, um, I would like to throw out one quick thing. People should not be ashamed of using Grammarly or Hemingway app or whatever other editor is out there for their writing. It will not make your, it will not make you look weak. It will not make you look as if you know, you don't know what you're talking about. Absolutely. Uh, right? Exactly. And, and I'm emphasizing uh, on the native English speakers, native writers of English, sorry, native English writers with 20 plus years of experience are using human editors to edit their work. Yeah. Right. And yeah, they're using absolutely. these apps. I've been writing for 10 years and I am a native English speaker and I use Grammarly and my emails and everything I do. And I have editors for pretty much every project that I'm on, you know, nobody is perfect. We all have, especially when you're writing eight hours a day, five days a week, you have good days, you have bad days, you know, and people make mistakes. Like it just happens no matter what, you know, whether it's your first language or not. So I couldn't agree more. And Hemingway app is awesome too. Oh, I love it. I just absolutely love it. Okay. So really the big takeaways for writers sounds like don't get discouraged because you do get no's. There are people out there who have, you know, open mindsets who are willing to hire you, even though you're a non-native speaker, um, based on 
you know, what you can do, the value you can provide. And I think that, like you said, you're on Instagram, you're on LinkedIn, you're on all these different places. The more you put yourself out there and show who you are from the get-go, instead of like going out and pitching all these people and trying to find, get lucky and find the ones who align with you, you can actually attract those people to you, right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, inbound marketing is tougher, but it generally brings you people who are already pre-qualified because they already know who you are. They already know what you can do and they like something that you do. And that is why they have come to you and nobody else. Yep. I could not agree more. Okay. So we basically covered the challenges. Is there any final advice that you would give to writers who, you know, maybe they're haven't started yet, but they're just getting started or maybe they're a year into it, but they just keep getting this opposition and they're really kind of feeling frustrated. Um, if you've been a year or more into it, and if you've managed to get a few good clips or even words from people you've written for saying, even simply saying, you know, excellent or good work, or thank you for your amazing work, save all of those. I, I mean, I keep a praise box. So whenever I feel that resistance that I was talking about, or whenever the imposter syndrome strikes me, um, I just go there, I open up the praise box, and I have a look at all of the positive reviews that my client have said directly or indirectly. Um, If you're just starting out, it's okay to accept low rates if the company or the industry uh, or the person you're writing for is going to lead to more clients or is going to lead to a really great, great clip that you can use. Yeah. I I mean, it's, yeah, like it's trial and error because I know initially I wrote for a couple of blogs that did not go anywhere, but I did get a couple of good articles from them, which I could then showcase to other people. They were bylined articles. So I could just, you know, it just acted as um, social proof. Yes. Thank you. (laughs) Totally. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's okay. I mean, yes, you should be paid your worth. Uh, yes, you should write for really good people who value you and appreciate you. But sometimes it's it's okay to bend down a little if you really want to get your foot in through the door. Yeah. But then you just need to make sure that you do not continue working for those people once your foot is in through the door. Yeah. That you keep on looking for opportunities that pay you more, that value you more. Mm-hmm. Oh, and one more thing you can do, which really helped me, which another non-native English speaker that I reached out to actually told me, uh, that you can go up to, like, if you write your niche, or maybe even if you write the kind of service that you provide, plus uh, you just add, um, you know, I want to write for so-and-so, I want to write for X niche or Y niche. And once you look at their websites, and if their writers are bylined, look at what Again, it's time consuming, but look at what websites have bylines from people who are not native English speakers, mm. whose names don't yeah, look as if you know they're traditional English speakers. And if those websites can accept their work, then you do have a chance with them, provided your work is up to their standards, of course. Yeah. But yeah, that's, that's one little trick. That's yeah. Yeah, to help qualify them ahead of time. Yeah. So you know, you don't have that little outbreak of being rejected for <laughs> yeah. yeah but love yeah, that's, it. that's such great advice I love the praise box um 
I've never had a name to it, but I have, I pretty much asked most of my clients to leave me endorsements on LinkedIn. And mm-hmm. so, you know, if I'm having a hard time or something, I will go look at that and just be like, okay, come on, you got this. You know, I think that is exactly. super powerful. They are, they really are. Even if, you know, there's no bias, but I mean, imposter syndrome is there for everyone. I guess. I don't know. Do you still get it? Yeah, you definitely. Like it. You're almost a veteran. Yeah. Yeah. yeah for <laughs> sure. There'll be times when. You know, I, especially if I'm starting with a new client, um, where I can just have those, those thoughts just creep in, you know, it's just, okay. it's until I feel like usually after like three or four articles, we get aligned and we're, we're good to go. But I have to say, there's just some editors that don't jive with every writer, you know, so maybe Maybe, and someone can be a very established writer in very high demand, but an editor just doesn't like the way that they communicate, you know, or um, they just prefer things different ways. And then there's some that it's just like, boom, boom, boom. You guys are on the same page and you just go. Um, so, yeah, I think that those thoughts, those doubts can creep in kind of just like, am I going to, uh, is it going to be good enough for this person, you know, but at the end of the day, when you look at the wide scale of things, it's not whether it's good enough for them or whether I'm good enough or whatever, like I've established this body of work, um, but it's going to be right for some people. And it's not going to be the best for others. And that's okay. You know, if it's not a fit, I'm going to move on, you move on. And we both have (laughs) business to find elsewhere, you know? Right. Okay. I mean, uh, not in a uh, negative way, but I, I am glad to know that even like someone as experienced as you is does go through these feelings. So it's kind of it's normal. It's normal. Yeah. So for the non-native English speakers out there, if someone does criticize you or your writing, do not immediately take it as a reflection on who you are or a reflection on the fact that you are not a native English speaker, because sometimes it is just about the writing. Sometimes it's just about an editor or your client preferring one style over another, and it's nothing personal. Yep. hundred so percent. Sometimes it's difficult to separate yourself from that, but you do have to keep that in mind. I've made the same mistake, so <laughs> I feel very confident in telling this one. Yeah. I think that's a great tip. Yeah. So much good advice. Um, I think that this will be helpful for a lot of people who are getting that resistance out there. So thank you so much for sharing your experience. And so, yeah, absolutely. Um, aside from the main topic, um, I just want to ask a little bit about, you know, what's new in your freelance writing business and if you're working on any exciting projects right now. I am actually. So I'm in the process of building up a brand new website focused solely on helping other people, whether it's freelance writers, other freelancers, service-based business owners, basically anyone who is just starting out to build their own website. And I'll be providing them with DIY options. Like obviously my done-for-you services are always there, but I'm going to be providing them with DIY, do-it-yourself options where right now my primary focus is on a copy bundle, which gives you a prompt, an actionable workbook, a guide and templates to writing your own homepage copy, your own about page copy, 
and your own services page copy. And it comes with a know your audience cheat sheet, a messaging guide, and a brand personality guide. So that's awesome. So, I'm hoping it's it's like a catch-all situation if someone wants to create their own website. And eventually I'll branch out into providing templates, like literally done website templates containing those copies. So like the work that people have to do is absolutely minimized and they can focus on their own zone of genius. Yeah, that's awesome. So that could be great for business owners and also writers. Like I feel like it's hard to do your own copy just without any kind of guidance. Um, harder than doing it for somebody else. Like it can be hard to define your brand voice and your own messaging and just kind of like how you want to sound. So I know a lot of writers do hire other people to do their own copy for them, or at least to get their opinion on it. So something like this could be a good, um, guide, right? Yes. Thank you. Yeah, it definitely would. Like in my case, I bartered the services. Like I looked at the other person's other writer's website and they looked at mine. So that was also helpful. Um, yeah, I'm giving away all of the information out here. But yeah, having a DIY template where you can put in your own brand identity and your own messaging once you identify it can definitely give you like a further leg up in the business. Mm-hmm. That's for sure. Definitely. Awesome. And you can always use it for your own clients. Oh, okay. So that's... Yeah, I mean, I don't mind. I'm not... Yeah. <laughs> level to it. So it's not just exclusive one-time use. Huh. Yeah. I mean, you can... Yeah. Like if you're a writer and if you do write copy for someone and all of these guides have, have like attended uh, Marie Forleo's, Forleo's Copy Cure course. I have done the Funnel Gorgeous Society uh, with Kathy Olson. So... It includes all of the art in Google Garage, obviously, and all of the knowledge that I've assembled throughout the years kind of distilled into something that's just, you know, just there, just yeah. for you. And usable. <laughs> and so how can writers get up their hands on this? Right. So, I mean, I'm going to be eventually creating uh, an online portal where they can buy it directly. But right now, that's I'm still... It's going through the processes, but the copy bundle itself is ready. So if you or anyone else, you know, wants to get your hands on it, you can always email me at um, drashti at thepurplescript.com. So drashti at thepurplescript.com. That's my website also. And you can always DM me on Instagram. Okay, perfect. So, and I'll include links to um, all of your contact places in the info section of the podcast. So email, website, Instagram. Is there anywhere else people can follow you or connect with you? Uh, Yes, I'm also on LinkedIn. My Instagram and LinkedIn are extremely like varied. LinkedIn is for content marketing and content writing. And Instagram is where I do all of my copy uh, stuff. But yeah, I'm also there on LinkedIn. And that's a wrap on season one, episode seven with Drasti Shah. Thank you so much for coming on and talking about growing a successful business as a non-native English speaker. And thanks to everybody who tuned in. Until next time, enjoy your writing.